Hello everyone, and welcome to Food Navigator Asia's monthly podcast, the FNA Food and Beverage Trailblazers. This is a series where we speak to and get to know more about groundbreaking food and beverage firms in the Asia-Pacific region, as well as the people behind them and their stories. I am Purdy, the editor of Food Navigator Asia, and as always, I am your host for the series. Joining me today is Lisa King, founder of alcohol-free drinks firm AF Drinks in New Zealand. Lisa has quite the list of achievements, such as representing New Zealand in competing for the International Woman Entrepreneur of the Year title in 2019, and has also previously been a New Zealander of the Year finalist. So Lisa, it is truly a great honor to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast today. Thanks for having me. It's wonderful to have you here, definitely, for sure. So I would just like to start by talking a little bit more about AF drinks and your alcohol-free cocktails first. So I know you guys have a range of GNTs, you know, more recently, uh, Dark and Stormy and uh, Cuba Libre, which all sound really delicious. So please do tell me and our listeners a bit more about these, you know, and what makes them so special. Yeah, so the way that AF Drinks came about was actually in lockdown last year. Um, I had decided to stop drinking and um, I was finding it difficult to find some really great alcohol-free adult alternatives that wasn't just, you know, sparkling water or a juice or a soft drink. And so um, my drink of choice was a gin and tonic. And so I decided to create my own alcohol-free versions of that. Um, and really kind of looking at what was available instead of, you know, de-alkalizing um, alcoholic drinks or spirits and making them alcohol free. I decided not to put any alcohol in it to begin with and just using, you know, really great flavor technology, creating the really complex botanical flavors of a gin and tonic, um, obviously without the alcohol. And what makes... Um, our drinks quite different is that, you know, we recognized that people drink for not just the taste, but also the feeling that alcohol gives you. And so we found this natural botanical extract called Afterglow, um, and it's a heat extract and it mimics that warmth of alcohol. So when you drink an AF, you kind of get that tingly warming feeling um, at the back of your throat and then in your chest. And the more you drink, the more it warms you up. And so it really feels like you're drinking alcohol. One of the things you mentioned to me when we last spoke was that AF Drinks is looking to help sober curious. So first of all, for the sake of any listeners who may not know what being sober curious is, could you give us a lowdown of this? Tell me a little bit more. Yeah, so sober curiosity, you know, it's a movement that... Um, has been gaining quite a lot of momentum um, globally over the last few years. And it's really a recognition of people who um, are more mindful of their drinking and their relationship with alcohol and realizing actually you don't have to have alcohol all the time to have fun. And, um, and so it's exploring that, you know, curiosity with being sober, not necessarily all the time, um, but also recognizing that when you do drink, you kind of value that drink a lot more. Um, and so we're seeing this trend really pick up, particularly amongst younger people. Um, and so that's really where AF sits. It's about, you know, helping people who want to explore that side of being sober, um, whether it's sometimes or, you know, all the time or just for a period of time. 
I'm really curious about, have you seen any sort of pushback to your products, any challenges in that area, you know, either by perhaps alcohol firms or by consumers who just really like to drink and can't understand the concept of why would I want to go for a alcohol-free cocktail? You know, how have you handled these sorts of pushbacks? Yeah, there's definitely been, you know, the small group of consumers, and I have to say they're slightly older, um, mm. and, you know, they're probably really used to having that drink, um, and they just don't see the point. And, you know, so we sometimes get customers coming up and it's like, what's the point of having a GNT without alcohol in it? Um, and look, there's always going to be, you know, those hardcore customers who don't get this concept. Um, but the kind of really positive um, thing for us is the fact that most people really get it. And most people are on board with it. And, you know, most people know that alcohol is bad for you. And that we should all be drinking less. It's just never been easy to do that, whether it's, um, you know, you go out and you're not, you're the only one not drinking and you're a little bit kind of, you know, feeling socially um, on the outside or a little bit awkward because you're the one person that's not having a drink or um, with the fact that there's just not ever been very many good adult choices until now. So um, it's been really positive um, in terms of, you know, this product and the category. You know, we've been one of the first to launch into this category in New Zealand. Mm. Um, and in the last kind of six, seven months, you know, it's really exploded and grown so quickly, which just shows that there's such a massive consumer demand for it. On the back of that, do you foresee the market growing for non-alcoholic drinks like these in New Zealand and perhaps even, you know, in the Asia-Pacific region over the next few years? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been a trend that's been going on for the last couple of years. And, you know, we're finally seeing it arrive in New Zealand. So it's been really exciting to be at the forefront of that and, you know, helping to create and grow that category. Um, and we are seeing more and more people, you know, saying that, they don't want to drink as much um, or as often. And that's really great, particularly in a country like New Zealand where alcohol is so ingrained in our culture. You know, you're starting to see supermarkets making a lot more space for these kind of products, which is awesome. Um, you know, and other markets are seeing, you know, double digit, if not more, um, growth in this category. So like in Australia, and um, BWS, you know, they this category doubled um, over the last 12 months for them. Um, and I think, you know, that is definitely being seen in Asia Pacific as well. And we're seeing other alcohol, big alcohol companies all trying to play mm. in this space and making, you know, really um, conscious strategic decisions to move into this category. Do you think that, you know, there is a place for uh, AF drinks, um, non-alcoholic drinks in more markets uh, moving forward? And, you know, are, are any of these key targets for you over the next few years? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, New Zealand is such a great place to start a business and it's a great test market. Um, we definitely see the bigger prize is overseas. Um, and we've actually just sent our first shipment off to Singapore mm. um, and we're exploring um, Taiwan and also the Middle East at the moment. And New Zealand has a really great reputation um, in terms of making products, you know, that are all natural. Um, mm. um, you know, our products are vegan, gluten-free, um, you know, no additives or um, anything unnatural in them. So, you know, we have an advantage with 
being a New Zealand um, brand and a New Zealand made product. Okay, we've talked quite a fair bit about AF drinks. We've talked quite a fair bit about the non-alcoholic industry. So now I'd like to drive the conversation back to you, Lisa, and your entrepreneurial journey. So I know you actually have been with quite a few F&B multinationals from Unilever to Heinz to PepsiCo to Cadbury to Fonterra. So that's a pretty long list. And I do know also that quite a few years ago, you made this pretty big switch to go into social entrepreneurship. So why don't you tell me more about that? You know, what brought that change about? Yeah, so, you know, I'd spent kind of the first 15 years of my career working for these amazing big food um, companies and um, in marketing. And, you know, I really love brands and consumers um, and I learned a lot from that. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, when I had my own children, just um, there was always this disconnect for me that, you know, I was selling chips and, um, you know, chocolate, <laughs> and, mm. you know, basically selling uh, salt and sugar to the New Zealand public. And then when I would go home, I wouldn't let my kids eat any of those products. It was just that, you know, tension of kind of feeling um, a bit hypocritical, I guess. And about um, seven years ago, Um, I, you know, I was watching a news piece um, on TV about um, children in New Zealand going to school hungry. So in New Zealand, we're one of the few countries in the OECD where the government doesn't um, subsidize lunches in schools. And so everyone in New Zealand brings their own lunches. Mm. And there are a lot of kids who were going to school without any food at all. And, you know, I was just really shocked that in, you know, a country that people perceive to be so bountiful and rich, that we actually have quite a high level of child poverty. And I just thought, you know, I really wanted to do something about that. And how can I bring my kind of business experience and commercial skills into doing something actually good? So I quit my corporate job Mm -hmm. um, and I started this social enterprise called Eat My Lunch. Um, from my home kitchen it grew rapidly Um, we basically hit our three-year forecast in the first 12 weeks Mm -hmm. Um, and it's kind of just taken off ever since and it's probably one of the most well-recognized social enterprises in New Zealand and you know to date we've given um, it works on a buy one give one model so um, a corporate might buy a lunch for their meetings or functions and then every lunch they buy funds a free lunch for a child at school and so in that time we've given about 1.7 million lunches. What are the main differences you have seen between you know, sort of like commercial F&B and what you're doing now in terms of F&B entrepreneurship socially? One of um, the reasons why Eat My Lunch and now AF Drinks, you know, is doing well is because we started actually with a really clear social purpose. You know, so for Eat My Lunch, it was about making sure that no kids were going to school hungry. For AF Drinks, it's about helping, you know, people have this better relationship with alcohol. And that is always at the center of what we do. A really good example of that is like at Eat My Lunch, um, you know, we had a really strong philosophy around the food that we give, the free food that we were giving the kids. It had to also be food that we would be happy to give our own kids. So it couldn't be just highly processed, you know, high Mm. fat, high sugar foods. Um, So it's all fresh and, you know, nothing in a packet. 
but quite often we'd get other businesses offering us chocolate bars or chips Mm. or muesli bars and while that commercially would have been a really great decision (laughs) because it lowered our costs significantly Mm -hmm. you know we always said no it is hard that balance between you know being commercially sustainable but always sticking to your core purpose and values Um, and I think what's different about the businesses now is that the purpose comes first, whereas in other businesses, it's generally about profit and costs um, and, you know, what's going to make them better margin. And then maybe somewhere down the track, if, you know, we make enough money, then we can look at doing something to give back to the community, whereas it's completely the other way around with Eat My Lunch and AF. What are some of the main challenges that you saw, you know, when you started out making this huge change in your life? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I completely underestimated how hard it is to run your own business. Mm. Like, um, no one kind of quite prepares you for that. You know, when you're working for someone else or you're working for a big corporate, you know, you can go home and switch off and it's not your problem. Mm. When it's your own business, um, it's 24-7. You know, you can't just switch off at five o'clock. And it is challenging in terms of, um, you know, particularly when I started at my lunch, my kids were six and eight years old. Mm. Um, you know, that work-life balance, that doesn't exist because mm. starting a business is like having another baby. You know, it's so <laughs> demanding. <laughs> and um, you, you can never go, oh, I'll do that later, you know, because you know it has to be done. Um, and you have to be involved in everything, Um And often, you know, you're the only one that's available to do that. And so I think, yeah, I I didn't realize how, just how hard it was, um, just mentally um, and even emotionally, you know, you get so attached to Mm. it. Um, And I definitely, you know, felt quite burnt out after the first kind of four or five years. So, you know, with AF, I've just been a little bit more cautious about, and being a bit more aware of that and, you know, making sure that I do have a bit more balance and checks in place to ensure that I'm not completely sucked into it again. Um, but <laughs> it is very hard because <laughs> you do love it so much, you know, and it is a part of you and you want it to succeed. And I think the second time round, it doesn't necessarily get easier. Mm. Um, you know, with AF, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of ready for this. <laughs> I know, um, you know, what to look out for and um, what the challenges are but they were completely different challenges yeah but I think what I learned was that I actually had the resilience um, Mm -hmm. to deal with anything when you made the change from commercial to entrepreneurship and what and what you're doing now how did your family take it like your you mentioned your your two kids were still pretty young at the time so like you know were were there any massive changes that they had to make in in you know when you made this huge change yeah I think everyone thought I was crazy like um, (laughs) (laughs) you go from this like you know I was in a really well-paid corporate job working for you know one of the biggest companies in New Zealand I was working for Fonterra at the time Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've spent like 15 years working your way up <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, you, so you're going from guaranteed secure income and career path to one where, you know, I think in New Zealand, about 75% of startups fail. Mm. So the fail rate is 
high. Um, and, you know, you've got a mortgage and you've got kids to look after and uh, <laughs> you've got bills to pay. And so, yeah, it was actually, that was probably one of the more challenging things so that people close to me, particularly friends and family, weren't particularly supportive. Like they just thought, you know, it was of a massive risk. And also that the idea, it was so new at the time, um, mm -hmm. no one had done that in New Zealand, that they didn't think it was going to work. You know, when you're faced with a lot of people telling you it's not going to work, it's not going to work. It's very hard yeah. to, then, you know, come out and go, no, I'm going to do it and I'm going to make it work. But for me, that was actually the biggest driving factor is that mm -hmm. I really love proving people wrong. So when <laughs> someone tells me, I can't be done or I can't do something that actually motivates me to go and do it. It does take a huge amount of courage and I can see why not a lot of people do it. Where do you see yourself and, you know, eat my lunch and AF drinks also, you know, in the next 12 months and perhaps five years down the line? We're in a lockdown at the moment. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, there's still a lot of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. um, and um, what's been great with Eat My Lunch was that at the end of last year, the government finally decided to trial providing free lunches to um, schools. Mm. And um, we became one of the providers mm -hmm. for this government funded program. And so um, that's been incredible. And it's really been a real milestone for me because it shows that, you know, actually business and individuals, when you kind of decide to do something about a big social issue, it can actually drive real big change, you know, to the point where the government, you know, decided they were going to actually do this. Um, and so we've had to scale up about eight times mm. um, from what we were doing previously. So now we've, you know, employed <laughs> about 180 people. We make um, 18,000 lunches a day for kids, wow. which is um, awesome. And, you know, remembering New Zealand's only got a population of 5 million. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, so I that's really kind of, you know, if we eat my lunch, um, that's what we'll be doing. And just um, hopefully, you know, scaling that a little bit more in the next um, kind of couple of years. For AF you know, the big kind of goal for us is to move really quickly because this category is growing so fast. And, you know, we really want to be at the forefront of that um, and not just in New Zealand, but globally as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm kind of really excited on both fronts. Very different businesses, but, yeah, both really exciting and kind of fulfilling. Do you have any advice for those out there who are trying to move into entrepreneurship, you know, or make a big switch in life towards a goal like you have said? Yeah, my one piece of advice is to just take action, you know, because I find like there's a lot of people who have great ideas. Um, I, I can't tell you how many emails I got from people when we launched Eat My Lunch saying, oh, I came up with that idea years ago. You know, but the difference between, you know, them and me is that, you know, I actually decided to do something about it. The best thing you can do is actually just to take some action and to actually do it. Excellent. Wonderful advice. Thank you so much, Lisa. And thank you so much again for joining me today. It was really wonderful having this chat with you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you again. And thank you also, everyone, for listening to this podcast as well. And I wish everyone a great day ahead. For Food Navigator Asia, this is Curly signing out.
Mm-hmm.